Douglas is one of many who found a new life through Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. I was living on the streets when I heard this guy talk about how he got clean and sober at the mission. So I decided to give it a try. I could feel something working inside of me, and I knew I was getting better. Today, my number one goal is to stay clean and sober. And grace will lead me home. To hear more, volunteer, or donate, visit UGM.org. While many kids are making their holiday wish lists, the patients at Nationwide Children's Hospital are simply wishing they could be home. But you have the power to make their stay a little brighter. The moment you make a donation, the butterflies on the lawn at Nationwide Children's light up for our patients to see. And that gift brings joy, funds research, and the world's finest care. Please, light up the lawn. Light up a life. Give now at nationwidechildrens.org give. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down field, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Hello, everyone, and welcome inside the Going Deep podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bunt, joined by a special guest today, Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans. Tyler, how's it going, man? It's going fantastic. I mean, it didn't go fantastic for the Titans on Sunday like it did for the Bills on Thursday night. But, man, I love football. Football, I always say, has been my religion since I was in kindergarten. So the season's back, and I can't be mad about that. So uh, today, as many of you guys might notice, there's no Kevin. Uh, He had uh, gave his wife gave birth to a wonderful girl on Thursday evening, uh, Sophia Page. So congrats to Kevin. Uh, We're all thinking about him. And uh, obviously, uh, his child got to enjoy a great Bills debut on Thursday night Mm -hmm. in a victory over the L.A. Rams. We've been talking on our show all offseason, wondering, will the Bills step up to the challenge once the regular season gets underway? If Thursday's any sign of what's to come, it could be a very scary um, season for Bill's opponents in 2022. Uh, Tyler, I just wanted to give a a quick few thoughts uh, on Thursday night's game. Josh Allen, just absolutely dynamite. Uh, Three passing touchdowns, nearly 300 yards. The only thing that really held the Bills back in that game was turnovers. Four turnovers on the night. Uh, Their defense was incredible seven sacks Mm -hmm. von miller doesn't look a day over 25 two sacks himself jordan phillips comes back uh to buffalo gets a sack and a half boogie basham and int dane jackson starting at corner gets an int and jordan poyer gets one um obviously bills fans are very psyched uh for this team and thursday night just gave them even more optimism um, as a neutral observer watching that game on Thursday, what were your first impressions uh, watching the Bills and what stood out to you uh, from that game, Tyler? 
just to, just how deep the defensive front is, the rotation that they can have, the talent that they have now with with Von Miller added to it. I think uh, last year they they go against the Chiefs. Maybe they want a little bit more from the pass rush. Well, they've certainly done that, and I don't see a lot of losses on offense. The other thing that stood out to me is just how many weapons Buffalo has on offense in the backfield with Cook and Motor and Moss, and then at wide receiver, obviously. You have Diggs, but Gabriel Davis looks as advertised from what you heard about him in the offseason. Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder. I mean, you I haven't even hit on Dawson Knox at tight end. So it just seems like Buffalo has a treasure trove of riches at their disposal right now. And when you have all of that on your roster with good coaching and great quarterback play, a lot to be excited about in Buffalo, no doubt. Yeah, and then one last final thing I wanted to talk about from Thursday night. Uh, all offseason, one of the main issues that fans and uh, media in town have been talking about is what are they going to do at corner without Tredavious White? Well, when you get that type of pass rush, it might not matter what you that have helps. at corner. We, I was concerned going into the game, a little surprised that a sixth-round rookie from Villanova, Christian Benford, got the start over Kyir Elam, who uh, the Bills took in the first round. But right. uh, if there was any drop-off, you, you didn't see it from either of them. Obviously, you'd rather have Trey White in the lineup, but uh, the Bills secondary held up pretty well uh, considering the circumstances going up against Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. But, Tyler, there's a reason why we have you on this show today, and that's for the Bills' week two opponent, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, They've given the Bills some trouble in recent years. It seems like most of the time these two teams play. uh, It's a good game outside of that COVID contest in 2020. Um, First thing... Obviously, a little bit of a difficult loss um, to the Giants over the weekend. Um, Brian Dable and company, former Bills offense coordinator, picking up his first win as head coach uh, of the Tennessee Titans. I want to give him a little shout out. He went to the same high school as me, so proud moment for my high school, not uh, for your Titans, unfortunately. What were your your takeaways from uh, that loss on Sunday? Was it the Giants stepping up to the occasion, or was it the Titans uh, not playing up to expectations? Well, I think it's a combination of two, as it normally is in football. The answer is never one or the other. But I would say there are certain things that the Giants did schematically that Brian Dable probably and Wink Martindale has played against the Titans so much with the Titans and the Ravens going at each other the last few years. He has a great idea of what the Titans are looking to do on offense and how to take it away. And then with all of the amount that the Titans have played the Bills lately, Brian Dable had a good idea of what the Titans were going to be doing on defense. So there were some schematic wins with both of the the people calling the shots on offense and defense in New York. But at the end of the day, the Titans have a more talented roster than the Giants do right now, regardless of the coaching. And if the Titans played their best football, they would not have lost the game. So there are issues that I have on the Titans side that are more related to the play calling on offense and the personnel on offense. And there are some things that are just schematic things that the Giants took advantage of, mostly that I'm focused on the defensive side of the ball or on the offensive side of the ball for the Giants, the defensive side of the ball for the Titans. So I would say. As always, the answer is in the middle of those two things. The Titans have their own problems where they shoot themselves in the foot, but the Giants did do some smart things to put themselves in a good position. But at the end of the day, we can't forget, the Titans were up 13 to nothing at halftime and completely dominating the Giants. Uh, so I still think that, you know, while the Giants did some good things, the Titans should have won that game. It should not have been close. And quite frankly, it's an embarrassment that they lost. And they should be embarrassed. But hey, 
this is what the Titans do. The Titans lose to teams they shouldn't lose to, and they go out and they compete and somehow win against teams that they shouldn't beat. And all too often, that, that's that been Buffalo, the team getting beat when they shouldn't lose to the Titans. So uh, don't know that I expect that this time, but we'll get into that as we discuss throughout the episode. Hey, there's there's no denying it. Uh, the last couple of years, difficult losses for the Bills. Um, opening line, nine and a half points. Uh, that's a pretty strong line uh, when when right. you go into a Monday night game between two teams that made the playoffs the prior season. Um, just carrying on from what you were saying, even in that late uh, late moments, I, I felt like Tennessee was going to carry was going to pull it out. Uh, yeah. I was honestly shocked that uh, they missed the field goal and that they weren't able to to pull out the victory. It seems like forever ago that Monday night football game where Tennessee pulled it out 34-31, Josh Allen stuffed on the the quarterback sneak. Obviously, you can't take much from a game last season. But if anything, is there anything that you would uh, take out from that contest going into this matchup uh, this year? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a certain way that the Titans play quarterbacks like Josh Allen. Now, all the Buffalo Bills fans, calm down. I understand there aren't a lot of quarterbacks like Josh Allen. I get it. But just quarterbacks that have the ability to play make, they can make second reaction throws, they can beat you off schedule, they can get out of the pocket and run and do damage with their legs. What the Titans typically like to do with quarterbacks who they're not that worried, um, I guess when the Titans aren't that worried about the pass game, like Daniel Jones, for example, they do things a little differently, even though he has the ability to run. But when you look at Lamar Jackson, when you look at Pat Mahomes, when you look at Kyler Murray, you look at Josh Allen, what the Titans like to do is they basically do a mush rush with their front four. They don't try to get fancy. They don't try to do a lot of craziness up front because they don't want to get caught out of position where Josh Allen can break contain and then make plays all schedule outside of the pocket. They want to keep Josh Allen in the pocket. And guess what, Josh Allen? If you're going to beat us, you're not going to run around and make off schedule throws and play sandlot football and get us in a tough spot where we got to, you know, go ahead and plaster up to your wide receivers for six, seven seconds. I'm not going to let you get outside of the pocket and run and get all these first downs with your legs. We're going to keep you in the pocket. And if you're going to make pinpoint accurate throws consistently over and over and over again and meticulously drive down the field on 10 to 12 play drives and score, well, then by God, Josh Allen, you're going to win. But what the Titans do and what they've had success with against Lamar, against Mahomes, against Josh Allen, They've been able to mush rush, have good rush integrity where they don't get too far up the field past Allen and they don't get too hemmed inside so he can break contain. They do that. They play zone coverage. Everybody keep your eyes on the quarterback and try to make turnovers, try to make plays on the ball, try to get Josh Allen to make a mistake, be a little inaccurate here, be a little inaccurate on the seventh play of the drive, be, you know, make that one mistake where he holds the ball a little too long and the pressure ends up getting there. So the Titans want to rush four. Now, the way that they rush for is the interesting part. Their simulated pressures is what they call it, and we can talk more about that as we go. But I think you absolutely can take from what the Titans have done the last few years against Josh Allen because the philosophy will remain the same. We want you to have long 10 to 12 play drives and try to consistently make you make accurate throws and hope that eventually at some point during the time you make a few mistakes. And fortunately for the Titans in the last few years, Not only has Josh Allen made a few mistakes here and there, but the Titans have been able to capitalize on them with an explosive offense that unfortunately 
I don't know if they could capitalize the same, even if they force the same mistakes. Yeah, that's an offense that doesn't have A.J. Brown or Julio Jones anymore. Two players that gave the Bills fits uh, last year in their matchup. And I, and I like the point. Make the Bills earn it by going down the field, yes. long drives, and uh, extend things. The one thing that has been impressive and part of the evolution of Josh Allen, and uh, at least towards the end of last year, is that he has finally gotten to that point where he is being able to anticipate what defenses are giving him, and he mm -hmm. is starting to be more patient. He's taking the check down instead of going deep. Uh, he has shown the patience. Interceptions can still be a problem at times, as we saw on Thursday night. Obviously, the one uh, not his fault, but still had 15 interceptions last year, which is a number that he's trying to work on. But that will be an interesting uh, thing to watch for on Monday night. Another thing will be, will the Bills be able to run the ball uh, against the Titans' defensive line? That was something that uh, we really didn't talk a lot about last year in this matchup mm -hmm. because the Bills scored 31 points and Josh put up a lot of passing yards. But the Bills struggled with the physicality of uh, the Giants, uh, pardon me, the Titans' uh, defensive line last year. Devin Singletary, their leading rusher with 27 yards. So the Bills really couldn't get it going. Uh, on the ground at any point this offseason they they bolstered uh their their line quite a bit ryan bates now a full-time starter at right guard roger saffold uh in at uh left guard and you could see against the rams on thursday night football there's a little bit more of a physicality there with aaron cromer leading uh their offense they're they're never going to be a team that's going to be a run first attack but right. they want to sprinkle it in uh, here or there. Obviously, the, the Titans have Jeffrey Simmons, um, but their tackling on, on Sunday was uh, an issue and their edges didn't really get uh, the job done at times. Is that something that you could be concerned on if you're a Titans fan is uh, based on how you played on Sunday going into this game? Oh, I think ab absolutely. And I think it's going to force the Titans to do some things that they don't want to do. So luckily, for you and your offense, I literally just stepped out of watching the All-22 for about six or seven hours. Uh, and one thing I noticed that Brian Dable did in the run game schematically that was excellent is he took advantage of the way the Titans like to play teams that have a read option threat. And, you know, Buffalo loves having read option mesh points in their plays. RPOs are available. So Brian Dable knew that the Titans like to do a squeeze and scrape. So what the Titans will do is imagine a six-man defensive front, your four-down linemen, your two linebackers. What the Titans will do is they'll have their edges, their defensive ends, squeeze down into the B-gaps and then have their linebackers scrape over top to the edges to guard the C-gaps. What that does, it makes it easier to play the read option because you have your defensive end, who's usually the guy that's left unblocked in read option, and that creates the advantage. You have him, no matter what, he's crashing down to the running back, crashing down into the B-gap. The linebackers flow out, and they cover the C-gap, and they can flow out and get to the quarterback if he keeps it. Well, the Giants knew that that's what the Titans like to do in those scenarios. So what the Giants were doing is they were having their play side, offensive tackle and guard and tight end, wash down. The edge is already washing down to squeeze into the B. So just get his momentum going the way that he's going already and push him into the middle of the formation. Then they were bringing a backside offensive tackle or a backside tight end or both. And they were having to go, those guys pull 
to the front side to kick out the linebackers as they scraped over or kick out the defensive backs as they moved up. What you're doing is you're creating a situation where it's easy to wash down your physical defensive linemen, and then you're getting big-bodied offensive linemen on linebackers and defensive backs at the second level. And then the linebackers already fly into the outside to scrape over. So again, you already can use the momentum of the direction that they're going to keep them going that direction. And you push the squeezers down, you push the scrapers out, and now you got a huge hole right in the C gap, right right in in between that B and C to get your running back through. Well, Brian Dable came from Buffalo. So you know that... It's the Smucker's Uncrustables Radio Hour with round soft pillowy bread filled with delicious PB&J. Here's your host, Uncrustables. Caller on line three. What's eating you? No one. Crust, is that you? Ugh. Uncrustables are the best part of the sandwich. Sorry, Crust. He stole elements of the offense. It was his offense. So you have to think that Buffalo, who still runs a similar style offense to what they were doing with Dable, is going to look at that tape and say, oh, if the Titans are going to squeeze and scrape, we're going to run those backside counters, those backside pullers, wash down, and have good success in the run game as well. The Titans are probably going to have to change their philosophy, and they'll probably know it. Will the Bills be able to adjust quickly to that and then start gashing through the middle because the edges are waiting outside? That remains to be seen, but you hit on it. The Titans' edge rushers without Harold Landry simply don't have the athleticism to hold up long-term. Bud Dupree, more of a powerful guy. Rashad Weaver, Danico Autry, more power players than athletic guys who can run on the edge and get sideline to sideline. I mentioned when Harold Landry tore his ACL before the se- a week before the season started that he was what unlocked the Titans' front because what the Titans were doing is the Giants run a ton of RPOs, right? Well, the Giants would run twins to one side, two wide receivers, one outside, one in the slot, and then a third wide receiver on the other side. Well, because of the threat of the RPO, the Titans have to have somebody over the slot wide receiver. Well, you don't want to compromise your physicality too much. So what the Titans would do in the past is they'd run a 4-3 with three linebackers. But because of the athleticism of Harold Landry, he would be the overhang defender over the slot guy. Well, now the Titans are trying to do that with Ola Daney, who's really a special teams player and a backup. Or they're just going into nickel and having their nickel cornerback, Ugo Amadi be overhang on the slot guy to take away the RPO. Well, when you do that, when you're a nickel and you commit your slot guy to being over the other slot, well, now you only got six men in the box and you're going against five offensive linemen and a tight end. And now it's seven on six if you count the runner. And now you're at a disadvantage. So the Titans are going to be in a tough spot without having Harold Landry to kind of fill that role and take that away. I'm not, I'm not an NFL defensive coordinator. I don't get paid millions of dollars a year to figure out what to do next. All I can tell you is what I see. And I am very interested to see how the Titans want to play the RPO game and play the quarterback run game while changing their philosophy from what they did against the Giants because Buffalo will tear them apart if they try to do that squeeze and scrape like they tried to do on Sunday against New York. So that is one thing that I'm thinking about that definitely does carry over. And then I'm worried about with the Titans and dealing with the run game of the of the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it, it, it has to be noted, you guys were going up against Saquon Barkley, one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. So that that is something important to note. But to see that renaissance on week one wasn't exactly uh, expected going in. 
another thing to note, the Bills right now are one of the teams that passes the most over expectation. The Giants, after one week, third from the bottom. So um, although the Bills might sprinkle in a few things from what uh, Tennessee allowed against the Giants, I would still expect uh, the Bills to to still be a heavy passing attack going into this game. Uh, Daniel Jones, while completed a high percentage of his passing, his passes, was not good on Sunday afternoon, in my opinion, watching no, him. Um, no, he missed a lot of throws. He missed a lot of opportunities. The Titans had a few coverage busts. Uh, I can think one specifically, they had a, a fly pattern to the to the backside of the play. They had a strong side drag uh, intermediate drag route over the middle of the field. Both of them were completely wide open, and Daniel Jones threw the short drag route that was covered by three people on a third down and long. So, uh, yeah, the Giants may have won, but Daniel Jones was not good in the yeah. game. You're 100% about – and you know who's a lot better than uh, Daniel Jones? Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Uh, yeah, yeah, correct. Jones's interception trying to target Barkley in the end oh zone. Oh, my God. God awful. Just giving it away, man. I was like, what are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? You know, you got to give credit to Imani Hooker. Made a great play in man coverage. He basically baited him into it. He gave Saquon Barkley about four or five yards of distance when he was waiting already with his foot back and is done with his back pedal, just looking to go forward and just waited there, knowing that Daniel Jones would try to throw it there and made an easy interception. So, yeah, the Titans won't get – the Titans forced two turnovers against the Giants and still couldn't win the game. It makes me think that spread of nine and a half uh, may not be all that far off at the end of the day. You never know. Obviously, you never want to take too much from week one games, positive right. or negative. Um, the the biggest thing I have is we, we just talked about the running game first. Do the do the I keep saying Giants. Uh, I, right, I don't know right, right. I've been today. making this mistake on uh, my show trying to move forward to Buffalo. I keep well the Dable, the you know the yeah, colors going from the New York teams to the regular right. season hosting a show solo. It's getting to my head right now. Right. Do the Titans have the dogs in their secondary to even slow down Josh Allen? When, when you're playing the Bills, you're going to give up points, but can they hold them underneath thirty? Uh, I know you weren't too happy with uh, Amani Hooker outside of the interception, Christian Fulton, David Long. Um, there was some, we talked about the tackling woes that they had, um, but there, there were some issues that they had overall uh, outside yeah. of Jeffrey Simmons, who, like I said, lit it up, two sacks. We yeah, were two awesome. sacks and Bud Dupree added one. But uh, do they have the guys now to slow down the Bills enough to, to hang in this ballgame? I would say so. I think the Titans secondary is very similar to the Bills. I, I think that the Bills safety group of Poyer and Hyde and then the Titans safety group of Hooker and Byard are maybe the two best groups in the entire NFL. Uh, I, I think they're fantastic. They're both easily top five safety groups in the NFL. So I think when you have ball hawking safeties, Amani Hooker really struggled in run defense. But make no mistake, Amani Hooker was great in coverage. Kevin Byard, first team all pro safety. You guys know, Buffalo fans know, Kevin Byard's going to take away the ball if you give him a chance. He's just excellent. He's got the most interceptions in the NFL since he was drafted, um, since the 2017 season started. Uh, so... I, I do think the Titans have a good secondary Christian Fulton where I'm worried about, I'm worried about Caleb Farley. So Buffalo is going to play and tell me if I'm wrong. Buffalo is going to play three wide receivers. A lot of the game. Yeah. Uh, you're going to yeah. see a ton of that for sure. Yeah. So what 
I would expect is the Titans like to play man coverage. That's what they like to do on third downs. I would expect that Buffalo will try to create matchups of Stephon Diggs on Caleb Farley. Like, I would expect Stephon Diggs to catch a ton of comeback routes, a ton of curls, a ton of quick outs, because they're going to find a way to get Diggs matched up in man coverage on Caleb Farley. Farley's six foot two. He's got blazing speed. He was the first round pick in 2021, but his change of direction isn't very good. He doesn't have great instincts in terms of reading route combinations and knowing what to expect. So he gets caught off guard and he gets caught flat footed quite a bit. Stephon Diggs is absolutely going to eat him alive. If the Titans can have their way, they'll have Christian Fulton on Stephon Diggs as much as possible. But the Titans aren't really the type of team that shadows. They like to keep their guys on the outside who play outside, their guys on the inside who play inside. And while I'm not worried about rookie cornerback Roger McCreary against, say, Jamison Crowder or Isaiah McKenzie, I think that Caleb Farley could be a good matchup for Gabe Davis because of his size and physicality. Christian Fulton on Stephon Diggs would be great, but Buffalo's not just going to let those matchups happen naturally. They're going to try to get Stephon Diggs on Caleb Farley as much as possible. And I think on third down situations, you'll see Buffalo use a lot of trips and they'll put Stephon Diggs as the most inside guy away from the side that Farley's normally on. And what'll happen is, is Farley will come from his side he's normally on and he'll be the number one most inside cornerback. And if you put Stephon Dix as the number one most inside slot guy and you can get that man matchup, I think it's just going to be a disaster for the Titans to, to cover Diggs if they can hunt that matchup of Farley on, on Diggs. So I do like Fulton. Uh, I do like McCreary. I love the safety unit. But at the end of the day, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And Caleb Farley is going to have a tough time uh, sticking with Davis or sticking with Diggs. Or, Really, anybody for that matter. I mean, Kenny Galladay is a disaster. I, I put out a play, uh, one of the clips, where the Giants were trying to run a dagger concept where the outside receiver is running a deep in, and then the inside slot receiver is running a, a streak. And Galladay, like, jogs through it. And Sterling Shepard, who's running the, the dig route, the deep dig, literally yells at him at the end of the play, like, what are you doing, man? Like, you got to run hard through it. Guess who runs hard all the time? The Bills, you know, so I just think while I'm pretty confident in portions of the Titans secondary, again, the weakest link theory, I think Caleb Farley's going to struggle and I think the Bills are going to find ways to get their best options on the Titans' worst option at corner. Yeah, good point. And Kevin chiming in here. Thanks, everyone, for tuning Congrats, in. Congrats, Kevin. Tyler, Tyler's one of the best in the business. So, uh, Kev, I hope I'm doing good so far with you watching here. Uh, but uh, we'll get to the defense in just one second here. I just wanted to uh, remind everyone watching that isn't already uh, a premium member of Cover One Pass uh, to make sure to, to get some access here. All the guys, Eric Turner, Greg Thompson, some amazing coverage here. They go beyond um, what you see on the field. They go into the X's and O's. Uh, some great things with uh, the Cover One Pass uh, right here. Make your play $57 a year. Uh, we always love new subscribers, so uh, make sure you get that if you haven't gotten it already. Um, let's go to the the, the Giants, the Titans uh, offense right now. Derrick Henry didn't really have the best debut on Sunday. Whenever everybody thinks of the, the Tennessee Titans offense, it's all Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. But it was really Ryan Tannehill that had a, a strong Sunday performance uh, and carried the team. 
uh, at moments despite uh, not having the same weapons that he's become accustomed to having at Tennessee. But the one thing that uh, watching you your show the other day, it sounds like you have some legitimate concerns about the offensive coordinator and the personnel usage. What's going on? Okay, well, I'll start from the top back to the bottom. With Derrick Henry, he's rusty. I, I don't know if he'll ever be, you know, the, the conversation of, is he Derrick Henry? Will he ever be to that level again? I don't know about that. You can't know that, and and guessing on that, I don't think is very smart. But what I can tell you is he is rusty. He's not running with the same speed. He's staying a little hot. You saw, I'm sure, some highlights. He got taken off his feet a few times by defenders because he's running high. He's running high. He's lifting his feet up. When you're a running back, you want short, choppy steps. Keep your legs pumping. Keep your legs moving. What you don't want to do is have elongated steps and run high so you can lose balance. Derrick Henry's running high right now. And uh, the big problem is he's missing holes. I put out a multiple clips on Tuesday on my Twitter account, at Tic Tac Titans, where Derrick Henry is simply missing the hole. He's not cutting back when there's a wide open cutback. There's a design cutback on a play. He's not hitting it. He's bouncing outside. So I think he's just a little rusty on how to read the holes. And again, he didn't play from week eight all the way until January, played one game against the Bengals where he was also rusty and coming off injury, and then didn't play again throughout the entire preseason. And this was the first regular season action he's seen since Halloween of last year. So I'm not willing to say that Derrick Henry's cooked or anything like that, but I think he certainly is rusty, and I don't know if that just flips overnight against the Bills in week two. It may take a month, a month and a half for him to really get back into form if he can stay healthy and see the holes the way that he needs to. Um, With Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill was good. I'm not willing to say that he carried them at any point because he was good. He made the plays that were there. But the problem with a guy like Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, even a you know a guy like Dak Prescott on the high end of those things, those sorts of players, they, they don't lose you the game when they play their best. When they play their best, they don't turn over the ball. They take what's there. But they also can't go win you the game. So when the Titans needed somebody to make a play, make a, a, a second reaction play, go off schedule, roll out, find somebody in the scramble drill, uh, drill one in in a tough spot, find somebody who wasn't your primary read or your secondary read, hold in the pocket just a split second longer to see the third read coming open over the middle of the field. Tannehill just doesn't do that either. So he was good. But in the NFL, when you have guys like Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, sometimes you need your quarterback to be great and transcend the play calls and transcend the personnel and lift all boats. Sometimes the play isn't open. Sometimes they called a man beater against cover three. Sometimes nobody nobody's there. And Josh Allen scrambles around and he waits and he looks and he takes off or he waits just a second, gets out of the pocket, launches one downfield and finds a guy like all of those special plays that you guys see on a weekly basis from Josh Allen. The Titans don't get those. So 
So it just be it puts you behind the eight ball when you gotta be perfect with the scheme. You gotta be perfect with the O line. You gotta have weapons that separate all the time because the quarterback isn't gonna make a ton of special plays. So everybody else has to make special plays. And it's a lot easier to have one guy who you can count on to make special plays than try to get 10 guys who are going to make a special play. It's just tough now. So Ryan Tannehill was good. He took what was there, but he didn't do anything special. He didn't elevate the people around him. And I think that's the big issue because the guy who elevated the Titans, the best player on the team, the MVP, what made the Titans special the last few years, Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is now getting 155 yards in Philadelphia. So, make no mistake about it. Derrick Henry is great, but he's not what made the Titans special. He's not what unlocked the offense. The Titans had Derrick Henry for three seasons before he really became a superstar in 2019. What happened in 2019? Well, one, you have to say Arthur Smith became the offensive coordinator who's the head coach in Atlanta. Obviously, getting a head coaching gig, he was a tremendous offensive coordinator. But the Titans also had A.J. Brown. And that, in my opinion, is what made this offense what it was. Now, your starting wide receivers are Nick Westbrook-Akina and Robert Woods. Your starting tight end is Jeff Swaim. Who is the explosive threat in the passing game there? The Titans have two rookies, Kyle Phillips, who is like Cole Beasley. He's like a Cole Beasley-type player. He had six catches for 66 yards in the opener. He's a good player. But we all know that the Cole Beasley types are complement players. They're not your number one star wide receiver. The only guy like that who's the number one star wide receiver is Cooper Cup. And uh, he's not 5'10", like Hunter Renfro and Julian Edelman and uh, Kyle Phillips. He's six foot two. That's what makes Cooper Cup that slot guy that's also the number one wide receiver. People don't realize he's a physical beast. He's not a small, shifty guy. He's shifty and huge. Well, Kyle Phillips is 5'10". He's not going to be a number one guy, and he's not an explosive threat either. What are you used to seeing from the Titans' passing offense? Play action, fake to Derrick Henry, quick, oh, right over the middle to A.J. Brown, catches the little 10-yard glance route, breaks a tackle, and goes up the field for 60 yards. What keeps that open? The Titans had Corey Davis running a deep post route in combination. So one side, you had the wide receiver going on the glance route over the middle, and then the other side, you got the deep post. Well, usually, people have eight in the box against the Titans, right? Which means you're going to get single high safety looks. Well, in a single high safety look, unless you rotate your coverage late, you're probably playing cover one man, cover one, shout out, or you're playing cover three. Well, when you run a deep post with an in route, 
or a medium crosser, well, now the deep post occupies one cornerback in the deep safety. The play-action fake occupies the mid-defenders at linebacker, and you could slide that explosive weapon over the middle of the field, quick play-action fake, hit it to him for 10 yards, make it easy on Tannehill, and let your yards-after-catch weapons do that. Well, when Todd Downing, the Titans' offensive coordinator, is consistently running out there, Nick Westbrook-Akina, Robert Woods, Cody Hollister, who does the defense have to respect? So now that deep safety isn't worried about the deep post because it's Nick Westbrook-Akina. My corner's got him. I'm going to come forward on that glance route. I'm going to come forward on that crosser. I'm going to come forward on that slant route and take away the advantage that's created with the play-action fake. We saw Ryan Tannehill get intercepted a few times on that last year when the wide receiver group was banged up. We saw Ryan Tannehill almost get intercepted by the Giants on the opening drive of the game on that exact situation. When Jesse Bates intercepted Ryan Tannehill to start the playoff game last year, it was that situation. A backside deep post that Jesse Bates didn't respect, which allowed him to come forward on the intermediate route of Julio Jones and get an interception. Nobody is respecting that deep post anymore because it's not a player that you got to respect. Robert Woods is coming off an ACL tear. He's near 30. He's not that guy. Nick Westbrook-Akina has never been that guy. If you're going to play Cody Hollister, a practice squad level player, a bunch, he's not that guy, if you know the meme. So the Titans have to, have to play Traylon Burks. Nearly 80% of snaps, 75% of snaps. They can't wait until week six or week seven or week eight like they did in A.J. Brown's rookie year. They have to do it now because either Traylon Burks has to be the guy on the deep end, the crosser, or the slant route so that he can catch the ball and make a yards after catch explosive play, or he has to be the deep post so that the safety has to respect it and it can open up the middle of the field for Robert Woods. Either way, the Titans have a personnel crisis right now, not necessarily in what they have to offer, but what they're choosing to put out on the field. And until I see Todd Downing, the Titans' just miserable offensive coordinator, figure that out, and put his best players on the field for 60% of the snaps, it doesn't matter what plays the Titans are running. If they get open opportunities and the Titans' scheme creates openings, if the players who are running the plays can't take advantage of the openings that they're given. So that's, that's the primary concern for me with the Titans' offense is the way they're deploying their personnel is not going to allow them to take advantage of what is schematically created. On, on offense with who they're putting out there. It's, it's just a tough spot because now they don't have A.J. Brown. They don't really, the only personnel that they have that can help are rookies. And sometimes rookies aren't ready to play behind the scenes. So they're trotting out guys who can't take advantage. And we don't know that the rookies aren't ready there. At this point, I don't care if the rookies are ready or not. Throw them out there because what we're seeing without the rookies just simply isn't good enough. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot to take in. And that's, if I was a Titans fan, that'd be pretty disappointing to hear, especially when you had a guy like A.J. Brown who was uber talented and allowing you guys to do all the things that you did on offense. Obviously, to a casual fan, they would tell you that Derrick Henry was the offense and that as long as you had him, you could continue to excel at a high level. But with A.J. Brown gone, it just seems like the entire passing game is just negated. And Traylon Burks offers the best hope of finding something, but how long will it take for the Titans coaching staff to have the faith to give him the snap count that he needs? And how long will that development take to get at the level where you can rely on him 
uh, to be on the same page with uh, with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I want to get a little bit more into that in a second. Uh, we did have a question from one of our comments uh, from Ralph Wilson Sr. Doubt the actual Ralph Wilson Sr. Uh, unless uh, he's pulling a, uh, <laughs> some magic right here. Why did they give up Saffold and Quisenberry? Why did, why did the Titans decide to move on from them? Sure. Uh, the easy answer with Saffold is injuries and money. Saffold was just banged up all the time. Maybe he wouldn't miss a game, but he'd leave in the middle of a game and sometimes not come back. And, you know, it was just every single week, is Saffold going to make it through the game? And you just, it's just hard to, to have any consistency with your offensive line when you're worried about that nonstop. Not only that, but the Titans saved nearly $10 million by letting go of, of Saffold. And when you have big contracts like Derrick Henry and big contracts like Kevin Byard and Taylor Lewan and Robert Woods, who was acquired, and Ryan Tannehill's contract, the third biggest cap hit for any quarterback in the league. When you have big contracts like that, you have to make sacrifices at some point. And you look at a guy like Roger Saffold, who really fell off as a pass protector. He was a, an abomination in pass protection last year, even if he was still a good run blocker. So the fall off in pass protection, the injuries, the money, that's why Quesenberry just wasn't any good. I don't, he was the worst starting tackle in the NFL last year. He gave up 11 sacks. He gave up, I think it was like 28, 30 pressures. He was one of the, maybe the worst offensive tackle that started in the NFL the entire season last year. So while Questenberry is a good story, uh, he's a good depth player. If you're using him as depth, which Buffalo is, but as a starter, he, he was just, he's a good run blocker. He was a good, but he's so, so bad in pass protection. The Titans simply had to find a, a better answer and a, and a younger answer. And I do believe they found that with their right tackle, Nicholas Petit-Frere, the third-round pick out of Ohio State. Uh, he was pretty good. He was the best rookie offensive tackle, according to Pro Football Focus, on Sunday. And I think it was the right move to move on from Questenberry. Honestly, I think it was the right move to move on from Saffold as well for the reasons I outlined. But it doesn't mean that Saffold is not still a starting level player. It just means situationally the Titans were right to let him go. But Questenberry was just was just terrible in pass protection. And it, it, it ruined the Titans offense too many weeks in a row. So they had to move on and find a better player. It's, it's always refreshing to get an opinion from a, a person from another fan base, another from another team who... Uh, the players played for because they've they've come to Buffalo and fans so far I think they're they're happy with with both of them. Roger Saffold uh, came here. There was a, a pretty positive uh, fan reaction to his addition. Um, He's a, a fun of, guy to have on your team. So. Yeah, especially after the Aaron Cromer uh, addition, reuniting him uh, with his OC and um, well O line coach uh, in LA, and then Quasenberry, obviously a backup. Um, I think fans like the depth, uh, like the potential from a run blocking perspective. Uh, obviously the pass protection was, uh, was an issue, but, uh, run blocking was something that the bills were trying to get better at this off season. So one of those good for you guys to move on, good for the bills to, to find them and, and be able to fit them in. Uh, what I did want to talk about a little bit more, we, we addressed the, the weapons when, Kyle Phillips is leading the team with six receptions in his, his first game. That's a little bit concerning from my perspective. Obviously, like you said, a slot guy, um, he's not going to be a star. He's not going to be the, the main guy. But was he just a product of 
personnel out there or what what led to him to have such a solid debut uh while a guy like Robert Woods has only one reception for 13 yards it was Robert Woods that awful on on Sunday where uh, he just couldn't get the job done and are we seeing I guess maybe a a, a Robert Woods that might be on the decline of his career possibly I, I know it's week one so I, I don't want to overreact but but well, is there legitimate one- concerns Robert Woods is coming off the ACL, and as we know, players don't really truly recover until that second season after the ACL tear. So I would imagine that Robert Woods, while he's out there and playing and he says he's 100%, I'm sure he's just not back to where he normally would be off the ACL. He's in a new system as well, so there are little things there. But at the end of the day right now, he's just not separating enough. Uh, There's just not enough separation. He's just not simply getting open. And I believe part of that is the Titans' fault. Robert Woods has been a number two. He was a number two to Brandon Cooks. He was a number two to Cooper Cup when he had his best years. He was a number two wide receiver. Robert Woods has never been a freak athlete, a size, speed, explosive athlete. He's a smart player who understands route nuance and route craft, and he knows where to sit down in the holes and zones, and he can be on the same page with his quarterback and know where to be and all that. Well, It's harder to do all those things when you're the number one wide receiver that everybody's focused on. When people are focused on Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks, then you can slip into all those cracks and you use all that nuance over the middle of the field and do all those things. But when you're the guy that everybody's worried about out there, not only is he coming off the ACL, but that's not his role. So asking Robert Woods to do that, you're already putting him in a bad position. And then you add in that he's simply not separating because I don't think he's fully back which is just what we know from players tearing their ACL. That's the combination. Now, when it comes to Kyle Phillips, it's a couple of things. Number one, he's just a super shifty dude who gets open, man. Throughout the entire preseason, joint practices, preseason games, the dude is just shimmy shaking you. There's no way around it. He went up against Darnell Holmes and just gave him fits all day on Sunday. There's a specific release package that he put out there Uh, that I put out on my Twitter. He's lined up tight to the formation, man coverage with the slot. He, boom, 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 gives him the shimmy to the outside, fakes inside, cuts back outside, gets around him, and then runs what I would call a shallow post route over the middle, and Tannehill hit him with an absolute dime. He just gets open consistently, and when there's nobody getting open, because you have Nick Westbrook, Akina, and, and Robert Woods out there, and Jeff Swaim, when nobody's getting open at some point, you're just like, screw it. I got to try to go to Kyle. I got to try to go to Kyle. And and from what we know from Ryan Tannehill's career, he is at his best when he has a player like that. Jarvis Landry was like that in Miami. The Titans had Adam Humphreys for a little while with Tannehill in 2019 where he hit Humphreys on a ton of different things. So I think a player like that is Ryan Tannehill's safe place. You know what I mean? So not only was the only guy getting open, But Ryan Tannehill has a predisposition to look for that slot type of guy at someone he trusts. And there were a few times where he threw the ball to Phillips and he missed other open players because he just wanted to get the ball to his guy where he feels comfortable, his his safety option. And that's Kyle Phillips. So I would expect that to continue, quite honestly. And uh, there are going to be the Giants late in the game. They started having a linebacker chip Kyle Phillips in the slot. Because they're not worried about the Titans' tight ends. They're not worried about the other wide receiver options. So we're going to chip your slot receiver so that he doesn't get free. And I would suspect 
the, the Titans continue rolling out the personnel groups that they did on Sunday, the teams will continue to just shut off the water to Phillips, and there's nobody else if Burks isn't on the field to win one-on-one. And quite frankly, Burks is a rookie without a very advanced route tree. He may not be able to win one-on-one consistently right now either with his route running. It's more of he's going to be able to take advantage of the things that are open schematically within the Titans' play-action offense. But one-on-one in pure passing situations, I'm not even convinced that Traylon Burks can get adequate separation consistently. So uh, I think teams are just really going to focus in on Kyle Phillips. I'm sure Buffalo will. They don't make it tough on the Titans, but they're not giving themselves a chance if they don't at least put Burks out there for 70% of snaps. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, just want to get to a few more uh, players, and then uh, from there I, I want to go into your keys to the game, how you see this playing out, uh, and if you're willing to uh, make an, a, a prediction. I know it's Tuesday. We got six days before. I'm ready. Uh, you're all right. I, I got one in my mind. But uh, the, the final players I kind of wanted to talk about, having listened to your show yesterday, uh, Austin Hooper was atrocious on uh, – uh, on Sunday, you expect so much more when you bring in someone that's considered a quality tight end in this league. When you have Jeff Swain uh, leading all skill players and in, in snaps, and uh, to me, that's a little bit of a concern. And then the the only other player I really wanted to talk about was was Hilliard. He he really did have a couple nice plays, a couple uh, receiving touchdowns. Won't really add too much in the run game, but uh, from a receiving back he, he can make a few plays here and there um what are your thoughts on uh the tight end play first off and then uh does Hilliard have a chance to be that kind of under the radar uh contributor that keeps uh making plays against the Bills uh this upcoming Monday night I think it's a schematic situation so Wink Martindale the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo or the New York Giants came from the Baltimore Ravens if you know anything about Wink Martindale's scheme, it's a high-pressure scheme with a ton of man coverage. Uh, the Titans expected that, and they knew that if they lined up Dontrell Hilliard in the back backfield, they would get a one-on-one matchup with a linebacker. The Giants don't have very athletic linebackers, so it was an easy matchup to take advantage of, and the Titans did that. That was really the only thing that they took advantage of throughout the day schematically, is getting a, a linebacker one-on-one with Hilliard and throwing the ball to Hilliard out of the backfield. Well, guess who has more athletic linebackers than the Giants? Uh, once again, the Buffalo Bills with Matt Milano and, and Edmonds. So I'm not certain that that is a week-to-week thing that's going to work every time. If you're not playing a ton of man coverage against the Titans, well, then that advantage isn't going to be created because there's going to be a defensive back or a linebacker waiting in the flat or waiting in the hook curl to try to deal with that. Um, and also, though, I, I think that Hilliard, while being a faster and speedier guy than Derrick Henry, he doesn't really read holes all the time that well either. He missed a, an easy hole that he could have run through and got more yards. And Mike Vrabel talked about this. This isn't just some guy on the couch saying that, oh, these running backs missed their hole. Mike Vrabel said that the running backs left a lot of yards out on the field on Sunday. The head coach of the team said that. And he said Henry was included in that. So I'm just spitting it to you straight. The Titans running backs missed opportunities. And if Dontrell Hilliard isn't going to get man coverage on a linebacker, is he really going to be able to have that kind of day? And if he's missing holes in the run game when you try to bring him in as a compliment, is it really that big a deal? I don't know. I think if teams try to play a ton of man coverage on the Titans, which they did last year, the team said, we're not worried because the Titans, A.J. Brown was hurt most of the year. 
Julio Jones was hurt most of the year. Marcus Johnson went out early with a hamstring. Chester Rogers is a practice squad level player. So teams were like, who do you got that scares us? We're playing man coverage all day. Well, if teams do that this year, then they will find ways to get Hilliard. But last week with Saquon Barkley, the Titans said, screw it. We'll put our linebacker on your tight ends because you don't have good tight ends. And we'll put a Monty Hooker, a safety on your running back, Saquon Barkley, and play man coverage like that. Well, eventually teams are just going to do that to the Titans. Okay, you think Hilliard's so cool in man coverage. We'll put a safety on him. You got Jeff Swaim or Austin Hooper at tight end. They run with combat boots on. We'll <laughs> let our linebackers deal with them, especially when you have Matt Milano or you have Edmonds. One of those guys can cover Hooper or Swaim, and then you can have Poyer or Hyde guard Hilliard out of the backfield, and that's no matchup that you're going to take advantage of like they did against the Giants. So there are just easy ways to stop that one advantage that the Titans were able to create to where I don't think it's going to be a week-to-week issue where we got to talk about Dontrell Hilliard. What I would say is if the Titans get down by a million, the Titans, will they'll go pure pass, and they'll just start dumping it off to the running back and, like, Fantasy-wise, maybe Hilliard gets like six catches for 30 yards and he's a good flex option and a down week in fantasy. But week to week, I don't think we need to talk about like Dontrell Hilliard or some playmaker or something like that. It's just a schematic thing that the Titans found in week one that I don't think teams are going to give them going forward. Gotcha. Now uh, to the fun part of the show, uh, making the picks, uh, give a few reasons why. Uh I haven't thought too deeply about it, but I think I already have a pick in my mind. How do you see this game playing out on Monday night? Well, luckily, I have recorded my crossover Thursday. I know that a lot of Bills fans know Joe Marino from Locked on Bills, so that show will be going up on uh, our accounts on Thursday, and that allowed me to kind of flesh out my thoughts on this game and get to a prediction. Uh, I do think the Titans cover. I think 9.5 is preposterous. Yeah, the Titans looked bad last week. But the Titans are going to be a, a decent football team that goes, you know, 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, something like that. Even if Buffalo is a juggernaut, the Titans always seem to play them tight. I think it's it's not going to be too tight of a game, but 9.5, I think the Titans cover that. My official prediction is Buffalo 31, the Titans 23. I, I think that's where it lands. The Titans aren't able to capitalize in the red zone. They get a couple of field goals. The Bills scoring more often than the Giants will create more opportunities for the Titans' offense to get points on the board, even if they can't keep pace. Uh, I do think the Titans get a turnover at some point. They'll find a way, and that'll set them up for one of their touchdowns. I think they score two touchdowns. Um, But at the end of the day, I think that Josh Allen is an improved quarterback. I think that the Titans don't have the athleticism on the edge to deal with the way that Buffalo plays offense. And then I think on the offensive side of the ball for the Titans, they simply don't have the playmakers to keep pace. They just simply don't. The offense will be stymied too often and um, it'll be tough for them. So I think the Titans put some points on the board. They'll get a couple of field goals in the second half, uh, maybe get a touchdown. But I, I think 31 to 23 with it not really feeling that close is probably the way the game's going to go. But hey, man, as Titans fans will tell you, there is nothing, nothing more Tennessee Titans than losing embarrassingly to the Giants in week one and following up by beating the Bills on Monday night football on the road. That is what the Titans do. I don't see it this year with no A.J. Brown and no Harold Landry, but I can't tell you I'd be shocked. But 31 to 23 is what I got to go with right now. 
Hey, that's a, a respectable pick, and uh, a lot of our uh, commenters uh, appreciate you being you, on Luca. the show today. Uh, got a, a lot of comments, uh, appreciating your honesty and uh, uh, your expertise. Well, you guys say honesty, and the fan and the Buffalo fans <laughs> say they appreciate the honesty, but the Titans fans say I'm a hater. So <laughs> I, I guess uh, I guess at least one fan base appreciates the honesty. Titans fans don't necessarily want to hear it. <laughs> um, I think the Bills will will end up getting uh, a ten point victory. I'm going to go 27 to 17. I respect the Titans. I I, I think. Part of Bill's mafia, for whatever reason, does not give Tennessee uh, the due that they deserve. Um, the Titans had the best record in the AFC last year, and whether or not there was some luck involved, uh, a fourth down stop uh, on a QB sneak, it still happened. And the Titans did finish with the best record. Things didn't go the way they wanted to in the playoffs, but you can't take that away from Tennessee. And the, the Titans have won the last two times against the Bills. Um before that, even beyond that, uh, the 2018 game, the 2019 game, uh, there there's other good contests uh, between these two teams. And I, I'm not one that's going to automatically anoint the Indianapolis Colts with a near 40-year-old quarterback over Tennessee in the AFC South. Uh, I think the Titans are still more than capable of uh, making the playoffs. I don't think they're as dangerous as what they have been in past years. Uh, obviously, that's the understatement of the year without – AJ Brown part of that offense anymore, but Mike Vrabel is a is a hell of a coach, and he finds a way to to win games even if he doesn't do it the way that modern NFL would say is the most stylistically uh, appropriate. But he finds a way to win games, and um, really, my my view of this game is I think Tennessee just doesn't have the dogs to, to keep up with Buffalo when it's all said and done. I think you guys, I, I think the Titans have a quality defense. I think that's a defense that's going to keep them uh, in most games this year, but it's going to be hard for most teams in the NFL to have the firepower to keep up with the bills. Um, last year, I don't think was a fair uh, view of the bills offense. They, they honestly, they had decent numbers, but the regular season was not, dynamite by any means a lot of bad weather games Josh Allen wasn't at the top but once they got close to the that playoffs, New England game was nuts it just crazy I mean right you got the Monday night win game 50 mile per hour wins and then you got the playoff game where it's negative seven degrees we're seven for seven and scoring touchdowns something clicked for this Bills team late in the season and I feel like that evolution of Josh Allen the the being able to find their rushing attack has really changed the expectations of this Bills from being a dangerous threat to Kansas City to a team that many now think might be the Super Bowl favorites. We'll see. Um, the Bills last year, as you know, they, they either killed teams or they lost one-score games. If Tennessee can keep this close, they might have a shot at pulling it out late. But uh, I, I see the Bills getting off to a hot start and end up uh, pulling, it out, pulling it off. I, th I think at the end of the day, if the Titans win the game, it's because Buffalo shot themselves in the foot. They made silly turnovers. They need probably like three turnovers on offense, a couple of blown coverages or blown assignments that allow explosive on explosives on the defensive side of the ball. This isn't going to be a game where both teams are just going back and forth and it stays close. And no, it's it's going to take some major mistakes from Buffalo to keep Tennessee in it. And I think at the end of the day, the reason that we get some decent games here is both teams have good head coaches who make sure that their teams are prepared. 
Both teams have accountable players who play physically and play hard all the time. And as long as you have two teams that do that, do that no matter how the game comes out, we're going to get good football and it'll be enjoyable to watch. Absolutely. Well, Tyler, I, I enjoyed your your appearance. Uh, first time talking to you. Uh, I'm glad that Kevin was able to, to set this up for our show today. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, just talk a little bit about um, your show, uh, what you do on a daily basis so uh, all of our audience can find you and uh, get your Titans expertise on, uh, on a daily basis. Well, I do host the Locked On Titans podcast, the number one daily Titans podcast in the world. Boy, it feels good to say that. I know it's a little self-serving, but it is true. Uh, that's Monday through Friday on all platforms, including YouTube. Obviously, I do a Rewatch Wednesday episode. It goes up on Tuesday night on YouTube where I really dive into the film. So I feel like that's always beneficial for the opposing team's fans too because I'm talking about what your team did schematically against the Titans while also talking about what the Titans are doing. I do a film thread on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans every Tuesday. Again, for opposing team's fans, you still get to see what's going on schematically um, with your team, even if it's with a Titans slant. So Locked on Titans podcast, free and available Monday through Friday. Tic Tac Titans, because I focus on the X's and O's. I know it's corny and cheesy, but I'm a corny and cheesy guy, and I'm proud of it. Uh, I love corn and I love cheese. So, hey, what's <laughs> what's the hate there? Um, but, yeah, so you can check out my Twitter account with the podcast. I write an article that's film-centric every single week for the USA Today on the Titans Wire. So you can check that out. Obviously, after the Titans play the Bills, I'll have something that'll have a lot of good nuggets for Bills fans to enjoy as well. So Locked on Titans podcast, Tic Tac Titans on Twitter, uh, Titans Wire for USA Today. That's where all my content is. But either way, uh, and no, Steve, I'm from Ohio, not Pennsylvania, but close enough. But uh, at the end of the day, I love the Bills fan base. I love the Bills team. They're just a, a pleasure to watch. And I do want to let Bills fans know that when Josh Allen came out in the draft, he was my number one rated quarterback in that draft class. So me and my father went to watch Josh Allen at the Combine in Indy. I've been a Josh Allen believer since day one. So enjoy that, Bills fans. Wow, you are trying to just win the hearts of all of Bills Mafia. I love it. Uh, th th that's great right there. Honestly, it sounds like you believed in Josh Allen long before many of us uh, yes. in our fan base uh, might have. But Guys, give him a follow. Like he said, at Tic Tac Titans. I gave him a follow uh, earlier today. Great conversation. Looking forward to uh, more of your work going forward. Uh, this is going to be a, a fun Monday night football home opener in Buffalo. The crowd's going to be lively. Uh, I love the, the engagement between these fan bases in recent years. Yep. Uh, I, I know it sounds weird to say that we got a mini thing going on between the AFC East and the AFC South team, but For going sure. back to the uh, to the Titans fan con contest, winning the vote, uh, there's always <laughs> that, little, that little hostility yep. between the two fan bases going yep. all the way back to Music City Miracles. So, well, I've been real nice, Mike. So I just want to say that Josh Allen didn't slip. Jeffrey Simmons <laughs> ate his lunch. So I'll leave on that since I've been so nice. Well, appreciate the appearance. Uh, it's going to be a great game Monday night. Uh, and everyone watching, that's Bill's Mafia. Hopefully we'll have Kevin Masseri back next Tuesday, and we will have a lot to recap then. Uh, so make sure to tune in uh, next week uh, for the Going Deep podcast. Have a good night. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, and it's caught inside the 20.
right now I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is hauled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.